0: You are listening to Move With Radiance with Stephanie Dankelson, a podcast all about redefining your relationship to exercise, food, and your body by learning how to first redefine the relationship with yourself. Are you ready to discover your inner truth, your inner radiance? Because we all deserve to feel at home in our bodies. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Move With Radiance. I'm your host, Stephanie, and I always want to say happy Thursday, but I know not everyone listens to this on the Thursday it comes out, so happy whatever day it is for you. I am so excited to release this episode. I was re-listening to it again, and there's just so many good things that we touch on, and I'm, uh, it's so good, <laughs> But before we dive in, I, I wanted to talk about something that has been coming up for me recently and just something I, I don't know, I, I just really feel like it's so, so, so important to can keep communicating this. And it's the idea of external validation and how, I mean, for so many years of my life, I searched externally for so many things, validation, my worth, connection, love, all of these things. And at the end of the day, you know, it's so much freaking work to rely on everyone else or social media or whatever in your life to give you those things. And what I didn't realize until I really started doing this work was that I could provide all of those things myself. And it's crazy because for so many years, I disconnected and rejected and hated my body so much. Um, and at the same time, I was still searching externally for all these things. And I just so desperately wanted to feel whole. And I was rejecting the very thing that could provide all of those things for me. And so it wasn't until I dropped into my body, learned how to reconnect with my body, learned how to come home to my body and finally feel safe in her, was that was when I you know, discovered that I can fulfill my need for love and connection and significance and all these things that I was using the external world to do for so many years, or I was relying on the external world to provide me those things for so many years. And so, I don't know, it's just kind of crazy that we hate the very thing that can provide the things we're searching for. And so I wanted to just start with that because if you're feeling discouraged or you're feeling hatred or feeling shame or whatever it is towards your body, just know, first of all, it's okay It's okay. We've all been there. It's the world teaches us to do that. But see what it would feel like to just be compassionate and be curious instead. You know, there's a part of you that's hurting. And so it it just feels so much better to send that part of you love rather than to reject or numb or disconnect from that part of you. And when we, acknowledge the part of us that's hurting and we send that part of us love, we're actually creating more connection within us rather than the disconnection if we were to reject that part. So I wanted to start with that (laughs) and just remind you to keep going, keep digging, keep getting curious. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. And yeah, with that... (laughs) Um, some of you have actually been reaching out and asking how you can support me and my work. And, um, I wanted to just share here that one of the best ways you can do that is by either leaving a rating or a review on the move with radiance podcast that helps iTunes just know that people are listening and that this is something that, you know, um, is, yeah, I guess worth listening to. (laughs) So if you're looking to support me and my work, that's, I would just say that was, that's one of the best ways you can do that. Just either leaving a rating or a review or both on whatever, um, podcast app you use to listen to move with radiance. So on that note, let's dive into this week's episode. So I had Jess, Rothley on from Holy Healed again for a second time. She was actually my very first guest on the podcast. And I'm so excited that she wanted to sit down with me again, because after that episode, I got a lot of questions. And also I think just more and more stuff started to surface. And I figured she would be the absolute best person to sit down and, and talk about this stuff with. So you will hear, um, all things PCOS and the two different types Estrogen set point, how each body has a different one and why it relates to how we're fueling ourselves, lowering stress and how your body might not see exercise as a stress relief in the same way you do, why we should stop shaming our cravings and why they're actually important, symptoms of underfueling yourself, what qualifies as a diet, how losing weight and restricting calories can actually harm our health, and so much more. And at the end of this episode, she actually talks about her "My Plate My Business" T-shirt launch, which at the time when we were recording this, it wasn't um, out into the world yet. And so it is—it is live. You can go over to her site and pick up one of those T-shirts. So just know that, and let me go ahead and tell you a little bit more about Jess. Jess is a certified eating psychology coach who specializes in functional endocrinology. She is passionate about empowering women in their health journeys in a way that is size inclusive and diet culture exclusive. You can catch her discussing the taboo topics of women's health, body image, and society in her signature series, hashtag WHT. Well, WH Taboo Tuesday on Instagram are posting pictures of her dog Kevin. I so hope you enjoy this conversation and here is Jess. Jess. <laughs> Thanks for joining again. You're a two-time guest on the podcast. No, I'm honored. Wasn't I your first guest? You I feel were my like ba- say, Yes, very first
1: guest. <laughs> I'm very honored. Yes,
0: thank you for having me back. Well, I'm so excited. I feel if if you all follow me regularly on the gram, I think I refer people to you the most just because of your wealth of knowledge and just mm-hmm. your important work. So Thank you. I was like, I need to have you on again because since our first episode, I feel like so many more questions have come about and I'm excited to dig into our topic today. Yes, yes, let's do it. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> awesome. Um, do you want, I know we've you've talked a little bit about yourself on the first episode, but you just want to give us a
1: tiny bit of Refresher on who you are? Yeah, yeah, sure. So my name is Jess or Jessica uh, now, Rothley because I just recently got married, so my yes. last name's different now. Just <laughs> way to slip that in. I did just get married; it's still really <laughs> exciting. Um, I run Holy Healed, um, and it's basically the anti-diet hormone like knowledge base for all young women, and that's kind of the way that. it came about was I had an eating disorder. I had a lot of hormone imbalances due to my eating disorder. And I didn't really have the care that was integrated necessary to that dealt with, you know, eating psychology, my relationship with food and my hormones that were going all awry because of it and all the health stuff I needed. So I got, I was like, you know what, we need a place and uh, help for women who are trying to navigate how to be healthy without all of the crap that diet culture is you know, involved with all the weight loss tactics and all these bad diets and all this stuff. We need like science-based health information. That's also completely nuanced in body love, in self-acceptance, in self-worth. So that was where Holy Health came about. And it's what I do. I work with clients. I'm an eating psychology coach. Um, It's awesome. I love it. And I do everything from talking about periods to talking about health at every size to talking about self worth relationships. It's kind of like, it's become very all encompassing because the idea behind Holy Healed is that whole humans need holistic care. And so that's what we do. Yeah. Love it.
0: <laughs> um, well, today I wanted to break down something that I've been getting some questions on, something that I'm genuinely curious about as well, and something that I've just been hearing a lot more today. I think, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, in the fitness world, and wanted to talk about that a little bit more and maybe break some myths that are commonly associated with it. So, PCOS <laughs> is something I've been seeing a lot, um, something a lot of fitness professionals I've been seeing have been saying, I have PCOS, therefore I need to be very strict with my food. I need to be strict with my, I need to lose weight. And that's just kind of the common thing I've been seeing a lot. So how about we start with what is PCOS? I know there's two types, which are not talked about enough. So let's dive into what it is and the different types that are associated with
1: it. And just we'll branch from there. Beautiful. Okay. That's beautiful. (laughs) So... PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it's essentially categorized by three three criteria. It's elevated male sex hormones um, like testosterone and DHEAS. That's a must if you're going to be diagnosed with PCOS. And then the second one is missing or regular periods. And then the third one is actual cysts on your ovaries. Now, you can have one of the last two and still technically be diagnosed with PCOS. It's kind of a two out of three thing. So I could not have cysts on my ovaries ovaries and still have PCOS if my male sex hormones were elevated and I had a missing period or an irregular period. Um, So there are two main subtypes of PCOS. um, And this is why you can have elevated male sex hormones because the male sex hormones are actually way too high, like relative. They're just, they're too high alone. Or your female sex hormones can be too low, which automatically throws off the balance, right? So you could I could technically have okay quote unquote normal levels of testosterone in DHEA, but if my estrogen and my progesterone are much too low, then I can sell PCOS, um, and this is really, really, really important to understand because so often in the world, when we throw out PCOS, everyone associates it with one thing: insulin resistance. Right? Because insulin acts like a uh, like a male sex hormone in the body. Um, and so you get all of these women, you know, that are told, "Oh, well you have PCOS." And so doctors are like, "Oh, you know, that means you got to go low carb, that you're probably going to need to lose weight." You know, they're thinking in terms of insulin resistance, they're thinking in terms of prediabetes. But what we know now about it is so much more nuanced and so much more educated because the fact of the matter is is that we have two like completely opposing sides of what PCOS can look like. Um, one type one is insulin resistant or insulin resistant PCOS. And that is caused from insulin resistance. It's caused usually from having a diet really high in processed sugar, um, not having the proper you know bodily functions that are regulating your insulin. You know, you become insulin resistant. There's too much, there's too much insulin in the bloodstream. It's not being regulated into the cells. Um, and that's what people know. Insulin resistance, blood sugar issues. That's really common. The second type, um, Type 2 is stress-induced PCOS. This is what I was talking about when I say you can have low female sex hormones in relation... To male sex hormones, and you can have PCOS. This does not have to do with having a diet of you know or excess weight or having a diet of processed sugar. It actually is very very common in women who have been restricting their food, have been you know on the diet train, eating disorders, hypothalamic amenorrhea. You know they're missing their period. And this is where the problem comes in. When you go to the doctor and you have cysts on your ovaries or elevated male sex hormones, and they're like, Oh, you have PCOS. You better lose weight and you better start going low carb. And we have a woman who's underweight. She's under eating. She's over exercising. You know, she's training herself into the ground and she's like, Oh, okay. And then she starts to perpetuate and even more cycle. Right. And that's kind of the big issue. So I'll just go through each type individually and talk about why the healing solutions are going to be very different for each one. So type one, is the classic one we know. Like I said, it's insulin resistance. And the best thing that you're going to want to do as far as nutrition, first and foremost, is going to be focusing on nutrient-dense whole foods. I am not of the belief that if you have insulin resistance, you need to go low carb. I know that that's very mainstream. However, if you have insulin resistance, if you have a problem regulating your blood sugar, carbs are not per se the reason like all carbs are not the reason why that happened. There's a lot of inflammation and dysbiosis in the body that has to happen for your body to not be able to regulate any and all carbs. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So like your gut health, um, your stress levels, all of those in your sleep, all of those influence your body's ability to regulate your blood sugar. There's actually a study that compared um, one control group who got like a normal night's sleep, like seven, eight hours to another control group that was quote unquote sleep deprived. So they got six or five or six hours. They had a blood sugar, like they, their ability to regulate their blood sugar, the latter group, the control group was that of a diabetic patient. And that was just because they didn't have sleep. Like they, none of them had diabetes. None of them had blood sugar issues previously, but even just not getting enough sleep can really impact your ability to regulate your blood sugar. So the point of that is a lot of people associate, oh, well, I have an issue with blood sugar. I have an an issue with insulin resistance. I better go keto, you know, I better go low carb. And I, and it's just, it's just super not, not nuanced enough way of looking at it. So the best things you're going to want to do nutrition wise are focus on whole foods that are very, very nutrient dense. Um, that looks like whole carbohydrates like sweet potatoes and, um, gluten free grains. If you want to do grains, um, fruit. And if you want, and you're, you know, you want to kind of go on the low sugar fruit side, that's okay too. You know, stick with berries. It's really up to you and whatever feels good. Um, And making sure that nutrient density is your priority. We're not looking at trying to cut calories. We're not looking at trying to chance on the amount of food because the nutrients are going to be what's really like boosting your body's ability to start working optimally. We're looking at a lot of sleep because sleep is super, super important. We're looking at gut healing because what's happening in your gut can actually influence every single hormone in the body. And a lot of people don't talk about this enough or know this enough, but your gut health is critical to every single hormone. And yes, insulin is a hormone and it does not escape that. Um, And then thirdly, most importantly, most, most, most importantly, getting stress under control. When we're stressed and we have high levels of chronic stress, we are causing and inducing massive blood sugar swings. That's just the way it goes because we are upregulating cortisol and it messes with our liver's ability to regulate our blood sugar. And that's really important. So, a perfect example of someone who, you know, has type one insulin resistance—they can, you know, be having a diet of really highly processed food. They can have a diet um, that's they're taking in maybe a little bit too much refined sugar. However, they also probably could be working at a desk job where they're not moving their body enough. They could be really, really stressed out all the time, living on caffeine to get them through the day. You know, just wrecking their adrenals and then not sleeping at night. So, all of that together can really put forth a perfect case of major insulin resistance leading to PCOS. Um, so it's really important to be nuanced in all this because a lot of people want to focus just on, oh, carbs or no carbs. And it's really super more, a lot more complicated than that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So quick question
0: on, yeah. so I've gotten this before with the, the stress, right? So if, yeah. if someone, like, would you recommend that they, I guess this is like maybe a case by case basis, but like, would they want to move their body in, I guess, more like yoga and walking, or would they want to be doing like hit workouts? Or like if their stress is really high, I know that the body doesn't recognize the difference between like stress working out
1: versus stress in your everyday life. Yeah, so, how yeah, do, this like, is, yeah. You break that down a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is actually such a great question because, again, you're right, it is super nuanced. Um, exercise though is one is a really important kind of part of the treatment plan for type one PCOS because exercise can help insulin resistance so much. However, it all depends on the stress levels of the entire body normally. So I would recommend for both types of PCOS walking and yoga is going to be amazing for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's it down regulates your nervous system so that it kind of shifts into that parasympathetic state. It's a lot calmer and it's amazing for the mind, the body, like it's just great all around walking. It moves your body in a very low impact kind of way. That's awesome. However, things like HIIT workouts and weight training are awesome for insulin resistance. Okay, so where does that come in? I would say that if we have a client who has a very stressful job and her stress levels are through the roof. I'm not going to love for her to go on and do sprints at lunchtime. Like that probably not going to be what I want. However, I would recommend for her to do weight training that is more low impact. So not high intensity, not CrossFit, but go and lift heavy things in a slow controlled way with a good amount of rest and enough, you know, time between sets. That's what I would say. You're still getting that resistance training because resistance training is awesome. But within resistance training, you can make it more intense, less intense. You know what I'm saying? But just yeah. based on rest periods, based on you know, is it circuit training? Are you are you trying to hit um, a mat? Are you maxing out? Are you using eighty percent? Like, there's all of these kind of variables within resistance training that make it so that you can customize it to your stress levels. Yeah. And even now, you know, I don't have PCOS, but if I'm really stressed out and I still want to move my body and I'm really craving lifting weights, I won't go and try to hit my max and I won't go and really try to max out. I won't go, you know, I'll just go and try to move my body, lift something that's relatively heavy, rest a lot and then leave. Right. And so you're still providing your body with that stimulus. It's going to be awesome for insulin resistance, but it's not going to be maxing out your cortisol, which is really, really important. Um, and making sure that, though HIIT workouts are amazing for insulin resistance, if you don't have the fuel to support it, the sleep to recover from it, and the stress levels to um, cater to it, it's going to do more harm than good. Gotcha. Right? So exercise is one of the things that's, it's so completely nuanced. Yeah. Yeah.
0: One one more question on that, because I did get this. Uh, So in terms of running...
1: if that's, oh,
0: running. Yeah. If that's <laughs> genuinely the way that you stress relief, like in your mind, if that's like, I'm stressed, I want to be out in nature. I want to go for a run. Like how, how would you tell, like if someone loves running, but they're also very stressed, is that mm-hmm. like, can they still incorporate that in their life? Or mm-hmm. is that something that you're like,
1: just watch. <laughs> yeah. So it's really interesting because and I and I and I talk about this a lot on my Instagram. I think that we often use exercise running any kind of intense exercise a lot of people refer to it as a stress relief yeah. for their mind um and and i just want to bring up the conversation of okay one your body doesn't see it as a stress relief so it's really important to recognize that 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 you may see it as a stress relief your body may not and part two i want to make sure that people are realizing and asking themselves a the question is it a stress escape and that's why you love it or is it actually like if you have a lot of emotional issues going on and you're dealing with something like a loss or traumatic event in a relationship or whatever, and you're saying that exercise is your stress relief, my question is, is it just helping you feel like you can escape? Because that's fair. You know, like exercise can be an escape or is it actually helping you emotionally cope? Because there is a difference. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that that's so important for us to ask because I love moving my body. You love moving your body. But I think that I've shifted as of late to realizing like, it's not really it's not relieving the stress for me like if i'm stressed about work or i'm stressed about something my family or something and i go to work out and i come back i haven't worked through those issues i've just found an escape which is totally okay like it, that's totally fine it's great and it's lovely and it's fine but just remember that whatever is causing your stress is not going away when you're going to exercise it's not getting worked through you know what i'm saying yep it's not being solved. So when it comes to stress relief and exercise, and if it makes you happy to go run in nature, that sounds like a wonderful thing. Yes, you can include it in your regimen. I would say though, try to rest and walk in the run, right? So you can Mm. kind of run and jog, um, try to incorporate a lot more rest, which might seem unnatural for someone who's used to running long distances. um, But because long distance running is stressful and really upregulates cortisol, I would recommend that if you're in any kind of healing protocol to incorporate more rest so that your body gets a break. And if it's really about like going out and being in nature, like you will get that either way. Um, it's just about kind of caring for your body and realizing that even though your mind might think of it this way, your body is still stressed. And so it's important to care for both your mind and your body and try to find the middle ground and not going on a run every single day, those types of things. Right. So yes. kind of find the compromise where yes, it is happy. Like go twice a week and run it and, and, and try to walk in between the run and just make sure that you're, recognizing that you what your body is reading it as not just what you think of it as does that make sense yes that's perfect okay, awesome okay <laughs> that was I asked, that makes sense a lot i was exactly <laughs> I ramble and then i just stopped like is that <laughs> no it's perfect <laughs> okay, okay yeah, love okay. it love
0: it no that was okay. oh, exactly where i was hoping you'd go
1: <laughs> awesome awesome okay um where were we oh, so, yeah. so that was type one mm-hmm. yes <laughs> beautiful. Okay. So type two is stress induced PCOS. Um, and this is very, 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 very commonly seen probably in a lot of your listeners. A lot of my followers, the restrictive tendencies, the tendency to under eat and over over exercise, <laughs> not that over exercise. <laughs> oh Lord. It's early, okay. Um, Over exercise and a tendency to really be on that disordered eating train, right? So we see a lot of women who maybe restrict and binge, just restrict, um, hypothalamic amenorrhea. A lot of them have a missing period, um, and because of that, their their female sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone, which are so intricately connected to You know stress levels and how much food are you eating and does your body feel safe enough to reproduce, that kind of thing. They are tanked. They're done. Not just because their body fat has decreased to too low of a point, which has to do with estrogen because fat cells produce estrogen. So if your body fat gets too low, you stop producing enough estrogen. Um, But also because it's so stressful in the body, your progesterone tanks because stress directly uh, lowers progesterone. So your estrogen and progesterone are tanked. And because of that, any male sex hormones you have already, like your testosterone and your DHEAS, is going to be high in relation. But also, because everything you're doing is so stressful on the body and your, your hypothalamus is perceiving threats all the time. Not enough food, that's a threat. Emotional stress about the way that you look, about needing to lose weight, about all of these, that's stress. You know, All of, the, all of these are perceived in your hypothalamus as major, major stress, major, major threats. So it turns around to the rest of your body. And it downregulates all the female sex hormones because basically it's like, well, we don't have time to make a baby right now. We can't worry about this. We're starving, right? So mm-hmm. it turns off all of our sex hormones. And then you get someone who doesn't have their period, doesn't have enough female sex hormones, and their adrenals are tanked from, from producing enough cortisol just to keep their body afloat because they are stressed constantly. Um, and then you've got type 2 PCOS, which is stress-induced PCOS. Now I want to know that this can technically be caused by massive, massive, massive amounts of emotional stress alone Mm. because the female body, and this is what's so important to remember about hormones in general, the female body is special because we can have babies, which means we are hypersensitive to anything that would threaten said making of babies, right? So your body's designed to survive. That's it. And it is designed to protect the possibility of creating a fetus. And that's something that we contend with that men do not contend with, which means famine and the threat of a predator, are two things that your body is designed to be very, very aware of. Famine, as in not eating enough, and threat of a predator, which means if you're overexercising and your body has no idea why you're running like 30 miles a week, it thinks there's a predator chasing you because it's like, why would you ever do that? Right? So these are things you have to realize that evolutionarily that's our history, but it translates into modern day undereating and overexercising, but your body doesn't know the difference. Um, so this is really. These are the women who get swept under the rug of PCOS. These are the women who doctors say, yo, you have PCOS, you know, you've got cysts on your ovaries or you've got high male sex hormones. Interesting. Okay. You don't have a period. Maybe, you know, you should probably try a low carb diet or you're probably going to need to lose weight without even really looking at them and asking them more questions. Um, this is the type where you want to focus on rest, 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 eating a lot and managing and, relinquishing any other emotional stress that is impeding on your healing yeah that's 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 kind of the basics of it. Um, it's a lot more it's a lot more simple because basically what you're trying to do is help the body recover, but it's not easy. So for the for so for this type, one of my best recommendations is to start to work with someone as to why those disordered habits developed in the first place, why it is um, that you were on this train, this spiral of under eating and overexercising, what you were trying to trace, worth issues like we see this a lot in type two PCOS. Um, and this is the modern day epidemic of young women everywhere right this is yeah. i mean i had this and so many women i know had this and there's not enough people talking about the root of this which is you know diet culture and not feeling good enough and not you know body image issues and all this stuff so it's really it's yeah it's really it's heartbreaking but it's also one of the more simple um it's the more simple type to solve i think
0: yeah not easy sure. but simple
1: no, yeah. But sim- yeah
0: so question on that if so are, Can someone, is it like typically someone is underweight that they'll see the type two or is, can they be like a normal, I'm using air quotes here, body weight? Like Mm -hmm. what constitutes
1: as underweight? Mm -hmm. So this is such a great question because it really doesn't matter if you are at too low a weight for your set point. And this is so Mm -hmm. important to understand because I was at a weight that was higher than my friends when I lost my period and my friends still had her period, but it doesn't matter that she was lower and had a period. I didn't have my period. And that's all that matters because every single body has a different estrogen set point. So really, it matters less that they are quote-unquote underweight. And when I say underweight, I'm thinking of estrogen and not having enough body fat. So I want to make sure that your listeners get that. It's not BMI. It's not this one number that makes you underweight. I'm thinking of, is your period irregular? Is it missing? Is it really too light? Because that is a sign that you are underweight for your body set point. And that's really important to understand. So don't look at... BMI and what you've been told you should weigh. And then you're trying to get that weight, you know, when you're missing your period and I don't understand mm. why, you know, I'm not underweight. It really matters what signs your body is telling you. If you have an irregular period, if you have trouble sleeping, if you are losing your hair, if um, you are, your anxiety is through the roof, you know, all of these symptoms are signs that you are not being fed correctly. Um, which actually reminds me that we never really went over what PCOS can look like symptoms wise. Oh Yeah. So let me just kind of briefly mention um, it's some really, really common symptoms because they actually, within the two types, you'll get very similar symptoms sometimes. Um, it's very common to get hair loss and then hair growth on testosterone receptors on the face. So you can get hair loss on your head and hair growth, like androgenized hair on your chin, on your jawline, on your chest. It's very common to get breakouts on the lower half of your face or around your mouth. And that's because you have testosterone receptors on the lower half of your face. And so if your sex hormones aren't high enough for your male sex hormones are too high, it'll stimulate higher production of oil in those receptors. Um, Breakouts on your chest, your back, Blood talks, um, blood sugar swings, anxiety, emotional dysregulation, a missing period, um, trouble sleeping, especially for type two, um, especially if you wake up in the middle of the night hungry. This is very common for women who are underfed, um, fatigue, um, cravings, a lot of cravings for salty or sugary foods. Uh, yeah, those are just very common. Mm-hmm.
0: Just one thought I had on that with the cravings piece. I feel like people would hyperfocus on that and then say, "I need to fix." Like I need to restrict or I need to, because they have the cravings, which then leads to. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Which is like, oh God, you know, it's not the problem, you know, know. and and especially, you know, I, I know so many women who under eat carbohydrates and when they come to me, my God, I just, I crave sugar all the time. And I'm looking at their intake and I'm like, girl, you don't eat carbs. No wonder you're yeah. craving sugar all the time. And then they start to eat carbs at every meal, get some sweet potatoes in there, get some fruit. And they're like, totally. Okay. And I want to recognize That's not everyone, but it's important to realize that cravings are not the devil. They're just your body's way of communicating because you're, your body can't speak to you. It tells you in symptoms what's going on, you know, um, for type one, a very common symptom is to have horrible, really painful periods. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them think, oh, it's genetics. A lot of them think, oh God, it's just, you know, being a woman. And that's just not true. You know, you shouldn't have terrible PMS. You shouldn't have terribly heavy, really horrendous periods. Yeah. It's your body's way of telling you to kind of look closer and ask for help.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is, I love having these conversations because I'm like, huh, okay, I should look at that. I should do this. <laughs> Cause yeah, like, I know. Because it's <laughs> my own body, right? Yeah. Um, okay, one, one thing you mentioned that I wanted to dig into a little bit more because I've talked about this a little bit, but I haven't really dove into it much, but just the set point piece. Mm-hmm. Like, what I know we talked about that, but like, is there anything else to add around like what that is or to make sense to people like what a yeah. set point, like what that yeah. means?
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, so a lot of people talk about weight set point, which has to do a lot with genetics. It has to do with this idea that, you know, everyone has a different weight set point that their body is happy at. And that has to do more with like accepting You know, health at every size and different bodies, and trying to stop fitting everyone into this one specific body type. What I'm talking about hormonally is an estrogen set point, which which is tied to your body fat, but it's a little bit different because it can move a lot in your life. Basically, your estrogen set point is at what point your estrogen is at where you can have a healthy, regular period. When you lose your period, if you've ever lost your period, what happens is that your body fat goes too low or you're not eating enough or something happens where your estrogen dips below that set point and you, and you lose your period so your body doesn't feel safe enough to turn on reproductive functioning. In order to get it back now, because that happened and it was considered hormonally traumatic for the body, your estrogen set point is now higher than it was before, which is why a lot of women actually have to gain more weight to get their period back than they originally were. So I had to gain more weight and be at a higher weight to get my period back the first time than I than what I weighed when I lost it. Right. So that has to do with your estrogen set point. However, when you... Let's say it like raises and you, you know, start to. Reassure your body. You're eating enough. You know you're not dieting it again, and then it becomes safer, and then your body kind of balances out. That's awesome. If you were to restrict again, it would be lost a lot easier because your estrogen set your estrogen set point is still higher and it's a lot more sensitive. So with every time, this is why the yo-yo diet cycle is. With every time you threaten your body with less food, more restriction, more over exercising, your body holds that like trauma. It remembers it the best metaphor I can give you is it's kind of like when you're with, you went in a relationship and the partner cheats on you. It's like, you remember it and you can work through it and you can, but it's like, there's always something in you. that's like, mm. and then all of a sudden you start seeing behavior almost reaffirming. Oh my God, why were you late? Why are you out late last night? Right. It's kind of that. I did your body's doing that. Your body doesn't trust you anymore. So you're like, girl, you don't feed me. (laughs) And even if you feed her like consistently for years and years and years, the second that she senses restriction, she senses stress, she immediately goes back into that traumatic space. Um, and that's basically like, the whole of it in a very simple explanation. And it's really important to recognize that everything that you do to care or restrict from your body, your body holds and it remembers because it's very, very smart and evolutionarily speaking, it has to remember so that it can protect itself from further threats. Um, So your estrogen set point does move and it does increase. And technically it can decrease if for years and years you have, you know, refrain from ever starving it. You fed it. Well, you've lowered stress. It's it's possible, but more often than not, we see the other case where women continually rise it, right. They continually raise it so that it's high enough because they keep dieting and they keep going down that restrictive mentality. And then that's what happens when you diet once and you, you lose the weight really easily. And then you try to do it again. And then, Oh, you lost your period and you're not losing weight. That's that it's resistant because it knows what you're trying to do.
0: Okay. Good. This is all so good. I'm like my brain went like this. <laughs> Sorry, like, <laughs> don't forget that question. don't forget this. So I have two questions, and I don't know because um, I feel like it's all kind of related to so the people are like, okay, I might be doing this, whatever. Let's ask the question. So the one way I want to go is, can you if you're on the pill, how do you figure out? if you're having these issues, like, or can you figure those things out if you're on the pill? Cause that's commonly prescribed to people, or I know a lot of women are on the pill. So like what your thoughts are on that. Mm-hmm. And then I have a whole other direction so we can decide where we want to go, but what does it look like? Like, how do you know if you're underfueling yourself? That's, those are
1: both great questions. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. That's a great question. So number one, when it comes to the pill, You cannot know your baseline hormone levels if you are on the birth control pill, just because your body is now dependent on synthetic hormones. If you were to take a lab test to try to figure out your baseline or what's going on really what you're producing, you wouldn't be able to tell. Um, You wouldn't even be able to tell even a couple months after getting off the pill because your body is still working on detoxing all the synthetic um, estrogen. So when it comes to the pill, I have an entire blog post on it if your readers want to learn more, but it's really important to realize that yes, like I'm a big fan of every woman has the right to choose her own birth control method. This is not what that's about at all. Just knowing that if you're trying to prioritize hormone balance and you think that because you have regular bleeding on the pill, you have to know that if you're on the pill, you really don't know. You genuinely don't know. Um, And often when we're on the pill, it can be, Perpetuating and actually making any underlying imbalances worse, which is a problem because a lot of women are prescribed the pill because they have irregular periods, because they have hormone imbalances, and a lot of their gynecologists or endocrinologists want to put them on the pill to "quote unquote" regulate it. But just because you are regularly bleeding on the pill, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that you have a regular period because it's technically not a period; it's placebo bleeding. So. That's really important to remember that if you suspect you have underlying issues, if you're having symptoms and you really don't know, the only way to know is to not be on the pill. So that's a contention to kind of work through on that blog post that I wrote about it. I do have ways that you can support your body on the pill because you can, eating nutrient-dense food, um, you know, stress relief, making sure that you're eating enough. All these things apply. But if you want to get serious about really figuring out what's going on hormonally, you you have to get off the pill. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah.
0: Okay. Good. <laughs> so that was like that came up, and then I was also thinking with the what does underfueling look like for someone? So like if someone genuinely is like, "Well, I'm mm-hmm. eating. I'm. T- I feel like I'm taking care of myself. I'm healthy. Like, mm-hmm. what are the symptoms of underfueling yourself?
1: Yeah. So there's a lot. Um, any kind of missing period. Any kind of um, really, really, really light period that's a lot lighter than normal, a lot some women just spotting for a couple days, that's not um, a significant enough period. Trouble sleeping, tossing and turning, waking up in the middle of the night, hair loss, um, acne, breaking out, like consistent chronic acne can be a sign that your body is too stressed and you're you're producing too too much cortisol, which is getting transferred into an androgen in the body. Um, Cravings especially for carbs or salty food. Um, Binging, binge eating. If you find yourself binge eating, restriction is always the cause of binging, whether it's emotional or physical, that's something to look at. Um, Fatigue, not having enough energy, not recovering from your workouts, being sore for way too long. Um, And any kind of disordered thoughts around food. If you feel Anxious around food. If you feel orthorexic around food, you shouldn't, shouldn't eat this. You feel an emotionally turbulent relationship with food in your body. That can be a really clear sign that you're under eating. Cause they often go hand in hand. Um, I'm trying to like, think of the gamut. There's so many yeah. weight loss resistance. So oftentimes, you know, feeling like your body is slowly putting on weight and you're not really changing how you exercise or how you eat, that's a sign that your body is just slowing down your metabolism in order to keep up with the limited amount of calories that you have. that make sense? Um, any kind of thyroid issues, constipation, um, I mentioned hair loss, really, really dry skin, um, feeling really bad mood swings, that can be a sign as well. Um... Yeah, there's so many back, lower back pain can be a sign that your adrenals are really, really exhausted from under eating and that can actually affect our ability to utilize our glute muscles and workout. So there's so many things. Like it, because what because here's the thing. When you undereat, it's basically the ultimate stressor for the female body. And what does stress affect in the body? Everything. It literally affects everything. So you could go through digestion. You could go through periods. You could go through how it affects your workouts, how it affects your sleep, how it affects your mental stability, anxiety. You know, that's really common for being underfed because your your brain becomes inflamed from not enough fuel. Like there's just so many things that can happen. You don't have enough fuel. You don't have enough materials to make dopamine and serotonin. Like there's just so many. Um, but the most common ones I want to say, if you're like sitting here, are you losing your hair? Are you having really, really dry skin? What's your period like? And what are you, what's your sleep like? Cause that's actually really, really huge. A lot of times our sleep will be distracted. If you are relying on melatonin or supplements to get you to sleep and to stay asleep, you could be not eating enough for real, (laughs) for real, for real. Um, that's very, very, very common. And a lot of women overlook it because everyone says they have sleep issues. Everyone's like, Oh, sleep is so hard. You should be able to sleep well and deeply. And if you're not, I would really, really look at what you're eating and how much you're eating.
0: What's a, like if we're looking at a, um, again, this is so individualized, but if you're looking at like, just generally calories come up so much now mm. and I see it. So like, yeah. what's kind of that benchmark with, if you're eating this or less, you
1: probably are under yourself. Yeah. So I actually have a calorie minimum that I have. It's 2000 calories, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are going to be like, what, <laughs> it's so high. Yeah. but it is the lowest as in baseline. As in, if you are active, like I eat a lot more than that. If you're active, if you move your body, if you're an athlete, you're breastfeeding, pregnant, whatever you are going to need a lot more than that. Um, or more than that in general. Remember that when I say minimum, I don't mean just eat 2000 calories and then be done. Mm -hmm. It's a minimum. Um, but it is the minimum in order to not only support reproductive functioning, but also mental functioning, which is huge to support things like anxiety and depressive symptoms and mood swings and all of those things. Um, you don't just need that bare minimum to function. Women's Women need a minimum, like adult women, a minimum of 13 to 1,400 calories just to support our like base level organs. So if you are just eating that, which is very common, a lot of health magazines say that you should eat that, and exercise, which is wild, you are literally just barely supporting the baseline organ functioning. And if you're exercising, you're not even doing that because your body's using those calories to exercise. So 2000 is my recommended RDA, like eat at least this, if you are a grown woman and you're trying to support your reproductive functioning, because here's the thing. People, when it comes to calories, our viewpoint has so often been, what's the least amount I can eat to get away with. And my argument is health doesn't come from what can I get away with health Really true health, vibrant, reproductive function, sex drive, regular periods, energy. It comes from abundance, an abundance of nutrients, an abundance of calories to call on when you need to do all these things, when you need to move your body, when you want to have sex, when you want to do all these fun things. It comes from abundance. And if you are coming out of a starvation mentality where I just want to have just barely enough to get by... Health is not gonna be the priority there. It just isn't. And so I think that we need to start remembering that because we've associated weight loss with health for so long that we are damaging our, our health and you know as a consequence of it. Um, so just remember that if health and vibrancy in life and abundance in life is your priority, then you can't be functioning out of starvation and scarcity when it comes to calories. Ugh,
0: so many good things in that. Yeah, I feel like like you said, health and weight loss has been they've been synonymous like the, that's if you have weight loss you have health and it's mm-hmm. it's so crazy having these conversations and the more we learn about all this kind of stuff it's like if all of these other things are not functioning or working properly right. and you're losing weight it's you're not at that optimal health that you need to be at in yeah. order to be living that abundant life totally. just totally. to be
1: healthy you know totally <laughs> it's, it's totally. totally crazy yeah Yeah. And I mean, I get so many women in my office that are like, I don't have a sex drive. I don't have a period. I'm losing my hair. I'm really struggling with this, this, and this, but you know, I'm eating 1600 calories and I've lost weight. So like, they think that they're completely healthy and you just have to ask yourself, what quality of life do you want to live? Because the people that are telling you that you need to be as small as possible are not concerned about your quality of life. And they're not even really concerned about like the vibrancy of your health. So it's just so important to educate people so that we kind of break the illusion. You know what I'm saying? Like we kind of all kind of wake up and say, Oh, I don't think that this is leading me to live my best life. Because looking back when I was following classic dieting advice, it was like, it was a life thief, you know, like I, I wasn't even really living. I didn't have the excess energy to exert, to just live my life. Cause I was so hungry and I didn't have enough. And I was focused on my next workout the next morning. It's like, what, like, that's not the life we want to live, you know? And ironically, it's chronic dieting that causes most of the hormone problems I get in my office. Um, so not only is it not life, it's really damaging our health.
0: Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I think the same, like the hormone, like their mental health too in there, like if we're not, like there's just so many pieces that if yeah, everything you said. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. So uh, another side note question, just to get your thoughts on this, what is a diet? Because I think now in the, in this whole, we're kind of veering from where we started, but I think this is really important because So many people today are not using the word diet anymore. So I think when a lot of people think of diet, they think of like, um, weight watchers or like, um, I don't know those traditional diets, Mm -hmm. but now we're seeing a lot of like lifestyle changes, nutritional plans, whole 30, or these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So what constitute as a diet in your mind? And what is true, like food freedom look like in your mind? If you want to use that word,
1: mm, that's such a good question. I actually, <laughs> I just researched this like a few days ago, like what other people are defining as diets. Cause I'm writing, a, am writing something right now. And I was like, what even like, what, like what are people defining as a diet these days? And I think one of my favorite definitions, I'm going to butcher this with the words, but it was basically, any kind of restriction with the end goal of manipulating what someone's body looks like. Um, and this can look like restriction in calories. It can also look like restriction of complete food groups, like low carb. It can look like, and if your end goal really like get honest with yourself, if your end goal is changing what your body looks like, it's a diet. And I don't want to make that really... Net. We've all been there. We've all had those, you know, those motivations of wanting to manipulate what our body looks like and change our appearance. However, if that is your motivation, then automatically it's going to put you in the diet mentality because you're not going to be thinking about health. You're not going to be thinking about your symptoms. You're going to be thinking about, is my body changing? Am I losing weight? Is my body composition changing so that I look you know, curvier. Or I look this specific way, you know, a lot of people are into that, like building the hourglass figures. They're trying to get like a really small waist and also somehow bulk up their butt, which I'm like, is that possible? Like, what is even happening there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what? I don't understand. But that's, that's kind of a diet to me is, are, is there any restriction going on with the underlying motivation of changing what you look like? If that's the case, it is a diet and and this is really important to realize because you can eat any kind of way and have it be a diet right so like yeah. someone could eat like the way that i eat And have it be a diet just based on the mentality and the motivations as to why they're eating it, which is so important because a lot of people think that diets look a specific way on a plate. And that's just not true. If your mentality is stressed out, if your mentality is in scarcity and losing weight and manipulating your body, you're actually inducing a lot of stressful thoughts, even while eating and causing a lot of health issues and a lot of hormonal effects just based on what you're thinking while you're eating. And that's super important to recognize. So to me, that's a a diet. It has less to do with what you're eating and more to do with why you're eating what you're eating. Perfect.
0: Okay, good. I was glad. I was hoping that was, yep. (laughs) I've (laughs) I've been exploring that too. And people are like, it's not a diet. And I'm like, but your end goal is still to lose weight. You're still trying to manipulate your body. It doesn't matter what you call it. There's still disordered eating or still these tendencies behind the action that are harmful and are not leading totally totally
1: totally yeah i just i just reposted someone i forget her i think her name was emily Vosbach or something and she was saying in you know you can have health interventions and dietary interventions for health in a very non-diet intuitive eating way and that's so important to recognize because I can talk about nutritional therapy and I could talk about nutrient density and I could talk about these things, but the trick is never is the goal to manipulate what your body looks like. And if that is at all a motivation, we're missing the point, right? Like we need to be able to talk about health in a way that is weight inclusive and dieting exclusive so that we can actually improve our health without the association of weight loss, right? Yeah. It's just so interesting. Mm -hmm.
0: I I love this. So we're running low on time. I know we've got an hour coming up. No. Oh my God. No, this was phenomenal. All of, (laughs) I I am so like, there were so many topics we dug into that I was like hoping we would touch on. So I'm really excited. And before we end our time, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you wanted to uncover a little bit more? Is there anything else that you want to say, um, kind of, or if there's something you want to wrap up with the whole PCOS
1: discussion. I'll leave it to you. Yeah. I think I would just wrap up with, you know, we talk a lot about hormones and we talk a lot about like health interventions and all these things, but it's really, really important to realize that the root cause of so many of the decisions that we make that can get us into these situations are out of not feeling worthy are out of not feeling good enough are out of our desire to be accepted. And as women, we so associate our worth with what we look like. And it's literally killing us. Like it's literally ruining the health and the vibrancy of our life. And so it's so important to me that at the root cause of all the work that I do with clients, all the work that you do with whoever it is you're working with, you are addressing that component, um, because that is what it's really all about. Yep. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Love that. hundred percent. It's I think when we have that disconnection or we don't understand like where all of our actions are being driven from, if it's coming from this place of unworthiness, if we truly at the core don't feel that we deserve whatever it is that we want or that we feel loved or that we have this place of true self-acceptance, then everything else that we do in life is going to come from that belief. So until we work on that, Mm -hmm. so we fully accept who we are and where we're at it's just it's going to be really hard to move forward in a way that feels good Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i so agree yeah i so agree (laughs) well jess um Where can people find you if they want to connect? I know I've said, if people follow me, they know
1: your Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So my Instagram, um, at Holy Healed and then my website, holyhealed.com. And I don't know when this podcast is going to be launching, but next week I'm actually launching the t-shirt, like the big reveal of the t-shirts that I made. Yes. They're called my plate, my business. And it's, if you follow me on Instagram, you know what it is. And if you don't, you got to know what it is. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's all about food policing. So I don't know when this is coming out, but if you follow me and you go on my Instagram, you're probably going to see a lot about food policing soon, which is going to be really fun and exciting. And I've got a fun reveal coming soon. Awesome. I'll make sure all of that is linked up so people can can find you and find all
0: of that. And I'm super excited about this entire conversation. I'm so glad you wanted to come on again and dig deeper into some of these topics. I Mm -hmm. so appreciate you and your work and I can't say that enough. And just thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, well, thanks everyone for being here and we will all chat soon. Thank you so, so much for listening and for being here with me. If you want more resources, pop on over to www.stephanie-dankelson.com. And until next time, stay radiant.